Be careful what you watch on Plex, QR code scanning cautions, and the 23andMe hack. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by our Mac Voices holiday gift guides. Whether you are looking for gift ideas for others or products to spend those holiday gift cards on, our Mac Voices holiday gift guide panels feature some of the guests' favorite gear and why they recommend it. Find all of our holiday gift guides at macvoices.com slash holiday gift guides. All one word, holiday gift guides. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Plex shared some information that they really shouldn't have. You need to be more cautious about scanning QR codes. And just how big was the 23andMe hack? Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. So, Jeff, you brought up Plex, and so I will switch to that to the next story because um, this was a fun little story that apparently Plex, um, there's, a, there's a part of their service where you can – gives you a summary of what you've watched, and some people were getting sent other people's summaries. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and people were not watching maybe what they thought their neighbors were watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not someone who who will judge uh, other people's viewing choices. Um, That said, your viewing choices should remain private. Um, Is this something that they have addressed already? I think it's actually a feature I turned off the first time I saw it. Because I just like to lock down stuff in Plex. And well, and in other services too. Um, but holy crap! Did should oh, I'm looking at the piece now. It's opt out, not opt in. Yeah, it should be opt in, not yeah. opt out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, again, this is this kind of falls under the sur- the uh, the heading of PSA. But you know, take a look at some of these things. Just last week, I guess it was, we had the whole name drop discussion of, you know, what should be opt-in and opt-out. I'm with you, Jeff. This one feels like it should clearly be an, an opt-in if I decide I want to share. I yeah. shouldn't be broadcasting to anyone what my choices are. Yeah, I, I'm a big Plex fan. However, I think uh, this was a, a, a poor decision to have this opt-out instead of opt-in. Yeah. Webb, you're awfully quiet so far. Any any thoughts on any of this? Uh, I'm still trying to get up to speed. It's uh, um, uh, I'll just give a, a, a quick story, and it, it might not since I haven't heard the beginning. I, I think it's uh, I, I record something, and Plex can come in and pull it back out if they have some licensing. That Plex has some licensing issue that they can pull it out. Is that kind of the in one sentence what the issue is? Well, it, actually, you're 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 overlapping two things. We were talking okay. about f- first of all, we were talking about the uh, f- the fact that s- in the, the the PlayStation Store, Sony has removed th- the license allegedly yeah, yeah. expired and pulled that out. Then the second story is Plex taking uh, your viewing habits and, and broadcasting, sp- sharing them. Yeah, yeah, or or it's supposed they're supposed to be sharing them back with you. It's sort of as a service, I guess. And instead, they were telling me what you were watching and telling you what I was watching, and sometimes what 
those people were watching was not what other people thought they should be watching or were watching questionable things. How's that for political? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that, that, and if that's how I understand, I agree with with Jeff that uh, it, it should have been an, an an opt get my ins and outs right. So opt out instead of opt in. Um, is that what you said, Jeff? Out versus in. Oh, opt in. Yes. Opt should, in. It should in, be in an versus out. Not okay. In any. Okay. Okay. Um, or opt in, yeah. not opt out. There we go. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll I'll just leave it at that and try to get caught up to speed with the next story. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Anybody else have any feelings about uh, about this? I'm, I'm curious how many Plex users here that you've set up something. Oh yeah, I Plex used to be one. I'm with Ben. I'm with Ben. Yeah, I I have uh, Plex actually running on a Raspberry Pi. And uh, have a hard drive connected to it, and I've got uh, all my physical media um, ripped to it so that I can watch whenever I want. I'm running my Plex on a Synology uh, NAS, and it's working great. I'm I'm actually I I know I need to change it. Okay, it's a matter of time before I get caught, but I'm still running my Plex server off of a Drobo five N. Wow, and it, and it works. And, just and like I it. used to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I need until, to move until it over. the five N died. You know. So. Yeah, I need. I mean, I know. I know that's coming. I know I need to move it over to my Synology. It just hasn't been a priority. So, but I will say that I have the media from the the Drobo backed up elsewhere. So when that's it happens, the most important thing. Yeah, back up it, the media. Right when it happens, I'll just have to fire up another instance of Plex. But you know, yeah. Like, just yeah, one of those things I haven't yeah, my, gotten around to. Yeah, the uh, my my previous Plex server, a uh, an ARM based QNAP is currently sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Because, um, it just honestly, when everything it's went QNAP. to the street, <laughs> yeah, that that too, but uh, after all the streaming services and all the movies I wanted on Apple. Uh, all the stuff that I bought on Apple, it just got less and less use. And, well, I just did it. used quite a bit of power. So, and I didn't want to pay that bill anymore for something I wasn't using. Good point. I, but wow. I'll ask- and, you're, and you don't even have, I don't know what your rates are, but they, I imagine they pale in comparison to what PG&E rates are here in California for a kilowatt hour. Yeah. So I, for Jeff and Dave, I'm kind of curious because um, I I think we have different use cases here. Um, is it that you prefer the 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 Plex interface? Or is that you can't find or just don't want to bother to go looking for what's on your streaming service options that you subscribe to since you already know that they're right there on Plex and you know how to get to them? I mean, where, where does where does the line fall? Because Ben's saying he's he's watching things just off streaming and he doesn't – he could. He just doesn't bother anymore. But the three of us are specifically selecting to consume media off of Plex if we own the specific thing we're looking for. For me, it depends on uh, 
where the content's available. Um, so, okay, for example, the uh, the original Batman TV series, Adam oh, West yeah. and Burt Ward. <laughs> what, what a wonderful oh, series. Um, oh, you watch that? Oh, and do your friends know you watch that? <laughs> I... I will wear a shirt. I will hold a sign that says I watch that, but you won't be able to tell by looking at my Plex activity. Um, so something like that, it's actually easier for me to watch that by, by owning the discs. And, uh, and so I've ripped them and put them on my Plex. Um, uh, an- another series that I watch a lot, um, the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series. Most of the time, I will stream that just because it's more convenient in the moment. But I have the entire series on DVD, and that—that's when I just haven't gotten around to actually ripping yet. And, but when I do, then I'll just probably watch that off of my Plex as well. Um, so I—I'm a hybrid. It—it it just depends on what's going to, what what makes most sense at the time for uh, for consumption. Holy bites, Batman. <laughs> right. Holy bandwidth, Batman. Yeah. Dave? Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of did it more of just as a hobbyist type thing, but I I do have some content on here. I've ripped some of my mo- old movies I've had uh, from over the years, and, um, you know, those kind of don't, things are on here. And, um, and, yeah, just it's not a full-out catalog. Some of our other friends – we know have a quite extensive catalog. Uh, that's probably not me, but because the, there's people out there who have you know two thousand some movies and TV shows sitting on their Plex server. But it, it's just probably, I guess, like I said, more of a hobbyist type thing. Just wanted to set up a sync, uh, Synology NAS and then just kind of play with it. Okay, Eric, you have a little bit different solution. <clears throat> Yeah, I've got a, a Mac Mini in the basement with a drive attached to it, so I keep all my media there. I use an app called Infuse, so I can watch everything from the Apple TV or from the, uh, the iPad or any of the computers in the house. It kind of does a random, hey, here's today's shows you might want to look at, um, and a list of everything recently added, um, at, but I can just group it however I want to group it on the drive and browse by the structure of the drive. So I'll have things like uh, conferences where I want to rewatch some stuff. So I can go to the particular conference and the particular year and just call up by subject, you know, sessions that I want to see a section of or rewatch because there's a tutorial. Um, so that's helpful as well as go back and watch, you know, old Star Trek. There you go. So what I hear you saying is that the the mini is acting as your server, but there's Infuse, I guess, is what you're using to access it, and it's not a true media server. It's well, just serving it's, serving it's a your media, media server, but it doesn't. There's not a connection outside of the house network. It's within the house only. I can't be at some other location and then connect back. Understood. That is the thing about Plex that that I didn't expect I would use. And then it turns out there've been a few times where it's been great to be able to stream over the internet, a movie for my raspberry Pi, which is crazy to think that you can do that. Yeah. Mark, you, I guess 
your solution sounds kind of similar to mine, um, that you're using a Drobo and a Mac Mini. Yeah, I have everything there. You know, I've been uh, um, very, you know, uh, meticulous in terms of how I organize and uh, name things. So it's, it's very easy. You know, probably 70% of my music is also on my iPhone. Um, but video, I clearly don't have enough space, but, you know, everything is well organized. So, um, you know, just to connect in, you know, via uh, an iPad or something is an easy way to, uh, you know, watch, uh, you know, a mission, you know, one of the mission, original Mission Impossible shows or, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, or any of the, you know, 24 or, you know, Sopranos or other shows that I have. So, um, you know, the the Plex, I experimented with that a little bit. Um, some of the usability were a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a pain. Uh, plus also, I really don't need the, the ability to stream it, you know, if I'm traveling to, you know, Texas or New York or someplace. So, uh, you know, that just uh, eliminated the need to, you know, to, to go through the complexity of having to manage, you know, a server managing all my video, you know, my media instead of just having direct access to the media myself. Okay. Well, I, again, something to think about, you know, something to think about depending on what you're using, how you consume your media, how much you care about your media, how much you've invested in your media, all those factors need to go into evaluating that conversation. Um, I brought this one up just to, to, to kind of make a point, <laughs> um, this is from Wired, um, and this is a story about how not to get hacked um, using uh, or because of QR codes. And I know we had a discussion about this a while back, and as I recall, I was soundly, soundly thumped by the whole group that said that this would never happen, this could never happen. So I just wanted to point out that, yes, it can, yes, it does. And somebody else is out there banging the dump say, drum saying, just don't scan every QR code that you come across. Well, be, be vigilant. Don't, don't just scan any old thing. You're going to, you're going to regret it. I mean, you just, if it's something you're not unsure, if you're not sure of, I wouldn't, uh, you just willy nilly randomly scanning QR codes. I mean, you don't know what they're going to do, but and I, you don't hear a ton of, uh, of hacks, uh, but, but there's a fair amount of them out there now too. Yeah, I mean, it's just an awareness thing, Dave. You know, yeah. that, uh, unfortunately, the world we live in, it seems like no matter what technology you're talking about, you have to really pay attention. Um, right. You know, it's, I mean, think back just to 10 minutes ago when we were talking about the Plex thing. You, know, you would think that would be fairly innocuous. And how could something like that ever happen? Well, guess what? You know, it did. Plex you know, crossed wires and screwed up. And so I don't know if it'll be lawsuit worthy, but it definitely caused some embarrassment to some people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at a QR code or an app or anything else, uh, do not click on it, scan it, install it, unless you know exactly what that thing is doing. The, the show the camera or, or put your camera on the QR code and it gives you a little preview of the link of what you're going to click on. That that has been a helpful thing versus just trying to load it and go to the page. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If it's a site that just looks totally not right, don't click on it. Yeah, I mean, it's not that much different than somebody texting you a link and say, hey, go here. Agreed. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's sort of like hovering over the URL in, in a browser and being able to see, you know, where that's going. The trouble is URL shorteners and, you know, with, and they're fine for what they do, but, you know, they can disguise where you're actually going to go. So, you know, it's, it's terrible. We've all had to start thinking of like larcenous people and I hate <laughs> that part of it, but you know, it's the world we live yeah. in again. That's what friends phones are for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let, me borrow your phone. Let me scan that. Yeah. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially especially the ones with the Android ones, so you'll get to see exactly what it does. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, I I I felt like I just wanted to bring this up again. Um, forgive me, I'm trying to pull the link right now um, for the uh, for the chat. Um, but oh yeah, this is uh, darn. That's an ugly link. Hold on. Um, just the 23andMe hack, again, something we talked about a little while ago, appears to have gotten a whole lot bigger uh, than it originally was was indicated. Now, what I saw t- tonight, just as I was eating dinner, was that this could be as large as half of the 23andMe customer base. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know... Again, just be just be aware and maybe try to think a little bit ahead of just, hey, this would be really cool to do. Um, you know, how much are you giving away and how? Mark, I saw you waving this, wildly. Yes. Yeah. I, again, I think this is, you know, as with Plex, you know, Plex, you know, they had either naive or misinformed you know, policies about sharing. I think similar thing here with 23andMe because this appeared that, you know, initially I think the article said that there was maybe only 14,000 records that had been infiltrated, but they had a feature about sharing and that's how they came back in, you know, where apparently 23andMe would, you know, open up, you know, other people that are somehow genetically related to you and not being used of the site. I know exactly how that is determined, but that's how this thing exploded. Um, and then, you know, it, as most of these things do, it's sort of like, you know, atomic fission, you know, you, you get more people and then you can probe their network of how many other people that uh, might be related to them. And, you know, the thing just uh, spirals out of control to like Chuck was saying, maybe half of uh, their user base. So again, I think this was, um, there's two points here. One is just, just the maturity and security sensitivity of a company. And that's, that's hard to know. Uh, then the other thing is probably a more general point, which is, you know, for people who are managing these companies is y- you should take a very secure policy by default and only let people share stuff if they go through, you know, uh, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you really sure? You know, if you do this, you could be sharing all these other things, you know, then you go to, through some sort of process like that. So it's not just turned on by default, like, you know, what happened in uh, the Plex you know, story that we saw earlier. So 
uh, again, I think this is this is something that you know we people need to be aware of that you know anytime you're on the site and they somehow want to share your data, you need to understand why do they do that. I have an almost daily you know you know pain in the uh, place I sit down you know from Zoom where when I go out of a meeting it says oh Zoom we'd like to uh, you know, share your you know information you know from your you know, other programs your contacts and. WTF? Do they even need to do that? You know, so I always say no to that. But this is just an example of um, people have to be very sensitive to how their data is shared, and you know, just not uh, you know, it's sort of like you know, the guy Steve Gibson, you know, on the Security Now on Leo Laporte's network, he has this saying: "TNO, trust no one." I think you know, it, it's come to that point on any website: don't trust them. You know. Just don't trust them. Don't share your data. Don't uh, willingly uh, allow them, you know, to get away with uh, sharing more than necessary for your own service. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're dealing with something that could be potentially PII. Mm -hmm. I, I heard on a podcast. It was yesterday or today, and I hadn't really thought about it exactly like this in relation to the twenty three and Me that. Because apparently there's also something in there. Um, I haven't done it, so I can't quote it exactly. But that you can um, share relatives or list relative information as yes. I guess part of the process. That's the feature yeah, that we're talking about. That's how right. it exploded. And so, yeah. So as a result, you know, the, they were making the point that not only are you making the decision for yourself, you may be making the decision for for other relatives, and so that needs to mm -hmm. come into consideration. When, when you're looking at things like this. So I, I'm not suggesting 23andMe is a bad thing. It's just be aware of what what's out there and what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't yeah, know, I mean, Chuck. I, I, I was suspect of 23andMe when they started because it was Sergey Brin's ex-girlfriend, and they set out, you know, wanting to build a, you know, a, a database of, you know, uh, DNA sequences and then try to link it to phenotypes, i.e., you know, your physical condition and sim you know, you know, signs and symptoms that you may or may not have. And then they got sold a couple of years ago to um, they got merged into something from Virgin Galactic, you know, based on the strength of the database that they had uh, they had built. So, to me, from the very beginning, they were morally suspect of, you know, trying to build this huge database of immense value and selling it with a soft consumer space of, you know, find out, you know, where did your ancestors come from? Do you have, do you have other, you know, hidden relatives that you may or may not know about? So, um, again, I think, I think they were morally bankrupt from the start, but I don't want to dwell on that. I, again, I want to make the important point. This is an example of, you know, we need to be careful and really understand when apps want to get information why is it necessary? And if it's not necessary, you know, do you really want to use that app? Yeah. That's the only choice you can make. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I didn't expect you to uh, to call on me based on <laughs> what I put in the chat. No, I All like right. I like it. I think it's a great point. Okay, uh, when you, when you use twenty three and Me, you're giving them. Uh, an ownership license for your genetic data to use mm -hmm. as they please unconditionally. So if, uh, if 
for example, they were to partner with uh, a medical research company and uh, come up with some medical cure or some medical weapon um, based on the data from your um, genetics, you have no say or, or control over that. Um, and uh, I, I, um, equated it to the Henrietta Lacks situation. And she she's a woman in the 1850s, 50s. I think, mm-hmm. who, um, um, without her knowledge, uh, a bunch of her cells were harvested when she was uh, in, in the hospital. And, uh, and it's her cells, her, her physical, her genetic information has been used for decades with and it was without her permission and uh, and she ultimately died her family has never given permission to use her her body for any of this research and uh, and the family has consistently been told over the decades yeah well sucks to be you well no uh, there i mean yes that but recently, there has been some settlements, you know. Oh, there to, have to some of the mm-hmm. descendants, you know. Okay, so, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, yeah, I know, I know about this. There's, there's a there's a great book. It's called The Immortal Life of Henry Lacks, uh, written by a woman named I forget her first name. Last name is Skloot. You know, I guess I think it's a Dutch name. S K L O O T, and um, yeah. So basically, she had uh, an ovarian you know, cancer and given the way it, um, you know, given the, given the nature of the virus that, you know, caused the cancer, you know, the, the cells were immortal. So they just keep on reproducing forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You know, I've seen a vial of, you know, uh, you know, so-called HeLa, you know, Henrietta Lacks, HeLa. That's sort of mm-hmm. you know, what they're called in the medical or research community. I've seen, you know, a, a plate of, you know, HeLa cells at, uh, at Columbia University. And, you know, this, this thing came about, I don't know, this is like 10 years, what, 15 years ago, you know, this, this whole thing sort of, you know, exploded and um, certainly a lot of med- medical ethics and beliefs and things have changed uh, since then. But I think more to Jeff's point, uh, actionable now is if you have to go in and something is biopsied or whatever, you, you'll be given informed consent, you know, that basically gives them you know, the permission to, you know, slice off that piece of whatever so that they can, you know, do a lab analysis of it. But you need to, you know, need to dig in because, you know, hidden in there is the ability, same thing. You're just giving them a waiver that, you know, they can use whatever, you know, whatever uh, your your DNA or, you know, protein sequence information is however they want. And maybe that's something you care about. Maybe it isn't. You know, that's a choice you, you have to make individually. But, um, we're living in the age of data and data mm-hmm. is important and be careful and just don't, uh, blindly, you know, give people, you know, uh, a license to use and abuse and, you know, profit off of your own data, unless, you know, you're aware of what the trend, you know, the transaction is, you know, upfront and it's something you agree with. Yeah. Um. Why twenty three and me is not uh 
specifically covered under HIPAA, I would treat uh, any information you give to them as you would uh, HIPAA data. If it's something you do not want getting out there, do not give it to them. Uh, be very uh, be very thorough on what consent you are giving them. Um, I, I agree. I agree, Ben. I think that's that's a really good benchmark. Um, I'm just I, I apologize for dropping back one story, but I'm just catching up with the chat room. Walter in the chat room says QR codes are becoming another form of social engineering since people are so quick to trust every QR co- code they come across. I agree with you, Wade. I, th- I think, and that sort of goes in hand in hand with the article I posted. Um, and where's the other quote that I wanted to use here? Um, oh, uh, Barry says 23 and me equals two dozen reasons not to get my DNA tested. <laughs> I see what he did there. Well played, sir. Well, yeah, very nicely, very nicely done. Nicely done. Next time on Mac Voices, the panel looks at the band Kiss evolving into digital avatars and what it means for the future of entertainment. That's next time on Mac Voices. I'm Chuck Joyner. As always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices each month. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.